promote parties at nightclubs. I don't want to do that. He was literally the furthest thing from my mind. Now, after I tried it once or twice, I was hooked. My only thing at the beginning was just I wanted celebrities to come to my parties and come to the restaurants and lounges that I was working with, really, and grow my relationships. And now all of a sudden, I'm booking celebrities for conventions and Comic-Con type stuff and speaking engagements. Do you feel torn between following your dreams and being practical? Our guest, Jeff Krause, has walked that tightrope. Growing up, Jeff never imagined throwing parties for a living. His parents envisioned a traditional nine to five. But in college, Jeff discovered a passion for bringing people together. He began promoting events on campus, then marketing venues, and ultimately producing celebrity functions. Jeff shares the realities of producing events, the allure of celebrity, and why he invested in growth over inflating his lifestyle. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and this is Money You Should Ask, a podcast that explores why we do what we do when it comes to money. Ensure you never miss an episode. Click that follow button on your favorite podcast platform. Now, join us for an inspiring look at blending passion and practicality with our guest, Jeff Krause. Jeff, welcome to the show. So excited to have this conversation with you. Bob, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. All right, so you are really like in the business of celebrity. So can you just tell our listeners how you got here, this journey, how you got to creating IE Group and fan room live and like here you are well without going through too long of a story here i'll try to keep it as short as possible to the point back in college i started throwing parties i got connected to a couple of promoters and really just loved bringing people together and as i was going through college i kept wanting to throw my own parties and kept building and building And when I got out of college, I ended up being a partner in a bar lounge. That lasted about two years, didn't really work out, but I did learn a lot of stuff. Then went and started maybe producing more of my own events, started to consult for nightclubs and restaurants more as a director and less as quote unquote the owner, meaning I would get hired to put everything together but I wasn't the owner. Right. And that worked better for me because this way I didn't have to deal with the stresses of, you know, whether the venue's paying their rent on time and all this other stuff that I just, I didn't want to be bothered with. Yeah. I just wanted to do my thing, make the place hot, bring all the people, book all the events, bring celebrity, whatever it is, and just do my thing. So as I was doing that, I would do a venue for a few years, make it hot, great, okay, on to the next. And I started to just really figure out that I really just love throwing my own events for different fashion brands and all that kind of stuff. And I started to do charity events with celebrities. I started working with George Wayne, who was at the time writing for Vanity Fair, started throwing all of his parties. Then I started to consult for restaurants and started to do programming for restaurants that let's just say they had a lounge in the restaurant kind of thing. So I would do the marketing with the restaurant, and then I would do the events and program the lounge downstairs. That kind of setup, or if it's a rooftop. So what I ended up happening was through the events that I was doing separately and through working with the restaurants and lounges, separately from that, I ended up partnering with one of my best friends, Mitch Faulkner, and 
what we would do is he was more interested in booking celebrities for conventions, for autograph signings, like that kind of stuff. I was more about getting celebrities and just great people into the restaurants and lounges. So we just kind of came together and started doing it that way. Well, what ended up happening was after a number of years of doing it that way, people started to call me like publicists that I'm just friends with and say, hey, I want to get a celebrity to host this brand launch or whatever. And I would say, okay, I would call Niche and we would just start making calls to our connections and we would get them the celebrity. So it just kind of started to slowly grow that way, but unintentionally. It was never intentional to do that. My only thing at the beginning was just I wanted celebrities to come to my parties and to come to the restaurants and lounges that I was working with, really. Yeah. And grow my relationships. But things just started to escalate. So then all of a sudden, those conventions that Mitch would be booking for, they would want to tap into certain celebrities or certain agents that I had the relationships with because I was working with them for their clients' dinners and all that kind of stuff. So then that started to grow. And now all of a sudden we're booking celebrities for conventions and Comic-Con type stuff and speaking engagements. But what I realized was that I wanted to keep the other stuff going because now at that point, I was also scouting spaces for Saturday Night Live for their after parties or after after parties. You know, I'd be hiring the DJ all of a sudden, six months to a year in. Now, instead of one party, I'm doing most of the parties for their after after parties. So I would want to invite the celebrities to those parties because it's just a natural thing. It's just a natural progression because they would want to go to the party and obviously they would want to have them. So it would just kept building and building. And then, of course, pandemic hit and everything was shut down. Right. Pandemic hits. We're just sitting in our houses, apartments, doing nothing, bored out of our minds. Mitch calls me up and says, Jeff, you know, we're so bored. What do we want to do? I mean, I want to get some of my athletes and wrestlers online to do something. So I said, well, how about we raise some money for some charities? Now, this is April of 2020. Right. We're beyond bored. Everybody is scared of this thing. Yeah. And we just decided, okay, we're going to start making calls. I said, maybe we could do this with celebrities too, called Cedric the Entertainer. And we threw the idea out to him just naturally, like, hey, what do you think of this idea? We can get some celebrities online and create some money and they can meet their fans and just the very basic skeleton pitch kind of thing. It wasn't even a pitch. It was just an idea. Yeah. And he says, guys, I actually love this idea. I'd love to co-produce it with you. So we were like, oh, <laughs> that'd be Cool. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. So we partnered up. We spent a little time of just going back and forth, picking a name and format and all that kind of stuff. And within a few months, we launched what is now called Fan Room Live, where celebrity comes on, they get to meet their fans. Some of the events are for charity, some of them aren't, depending on the celebrity and what they're trying to do. And yeah, we just kept building it. And then my events started to come back for in-person. So now we have both Fan Room Live and we have all the other stuff. And that's the short story of how we got here today, basically. That's how it happened. So let me ask you this. First of all, I guess we all want to go to the party so we can forget about our everyday lives and we can just go have some fun. And then you add the celebrities in. Is it because we want to be able to say we've touched elbows with the rich and famous or it's like, 
we want to be a celeb. Like, what do you think the appeal is to like, that's where the action is kind of thing? So here's the thing. There's different aspects to this, right? So if we're just talking about why would somebody want to come to a party because there's a celebrity there, I don't know that it's necessarily of, oh, I need to meet this celebrity and I need to go to this party because the celebrity is hosting. I think that it's more along the lines of if the celebrity is hosting, you know, that party is going to be hot and it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. So I want to be there. Now, that's one mindset. The other mindset is, oh, I saw that person in this movie and I love that. I want to go. And sometimes it's just you heard the celebrity was at a specific venue or through that party. And now you want to throw your party there because you heard about that venue and that it's hot. So there's like different layers to like why somebody would want to be around that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. To me, it seems like with Fan Room Live and with the pandemic having happened, part of it's connection. Like we all want to be in more connection. And if we can be in connection with our celebrity people that we look up to or we enjoy seeing on TV, we get to feel a little closer maybe. Well, the thing with Fan Room Live is that Fan Room Live A lot of times celebrities will come on, they'll meet their fans and the fans will start talking about telling them, hey, you really inspired me to do X, Y and Z, or you really helped me get through a dark period in my life where you wouldn't get that kind of intimate conversation at a party, really, or at a Comic Con or at any kind of convention, because and I'm not saying that they don't get any kind of connection. But you don't get that you're in their green room just sitting next to them talking type vibe. Right. Like, yes, at conventions, you can get an autograph, you can get a selfie, but it's one, two. And then there's somebody rushing you off the line because they're trying to get as many signatures and as many whatever in a short amount of time as possible. Right. Yeah. Or you might go and there might be a panel. And you get to speak, but you're speaking from the audience on a microphone. You're not sitting next to them face to face talking to them. So it's a little different. Yeah. And that's what we love about it is that it's up close, intimate, personal. And, you know, we have some great hosts, Jay Benjamin and Stacey Toy, who are also co-executive producers. And they also really bring the energy to the experience. They might throw in a little funny thing here or there. I mean, there was one time where this guy came on to meet Crystal Reed and he's trying to be an up and coming rapper. And and Jay pops in and says, hey, why don't you throw a rap for Crystal Reed? Why don't you throw some beats? And the guy started trying to do it. And then we realized he couldn't, he wasn't doing it. I don't know what he was doing. So Jay came on and said, hey, let me help you out. I think I can help you out. And Jay started rapping just to get the guy going. And then all of a sudden the guy starts rapping and it's like this funny thing. I mean, it was just hilarious. That's cool. Yeah. These moments just happen and it's a lot of fun. It brings a lot of joy to a lot of people, basically. That's cool. Let me ask you this. So growing up, was this your vision or did your parents tell you like you need to go be an accountant or you need to be an engineer? Was there any pressure or it was just like, hey, go find your path? And was this a path forward initially or just sort of like, I know it developed sort of organically, but was that even on the radar when you first started doing this stuff? No. First of all, growing up, I had literally zero interest in any of this stuff. I mean, it would be the furthest thing from my mind. In fact, the very first party that I ever threw, one of my best friends, he had to convince me 
for weeks on end to throw a party with him to do it. I did not want to do it. I had zero interest in it. I was like, promote parties at nightclubs. I don't want to do that. He was literally the furthest thing from my mind. And then he kept pushing and pushing. Come on, Jeff, let's just try it once. Now, after I tried it once or twice, I was hooked. That's cool. I was like, I love bringing people together. But no, it was the furthest thing from my mind. And was that something that your parents got behind? Were they like, oh, my God, that's such a great idea? Or, Jeff, what are you doing? No, it was more like, Jeff, what are you doing? Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It was more of like, Jeff, what are you doing? But then as time went on, because remember, when I started doing this, I mean, I was just going into my sophomore year of college. So yeah. again, this was something where I just started doing it and just wanted to keep going. But their more idea was the typical nine to five kind of thing. And find something in college that you like and all that kind of stuff. But I just kept doing it. And eventually they were supportive. It's not that they weren't supportive. Right. They just weren't like, ah, I don't really love this, but okay. Yeah, it's just concern. Yeah. <laughs> they just want it to work out for you. Exactly. That makes sense. Jeff, we're going to jump to Test Your Nerve, brought to you by themoneynerve.com. This is just a way to find out what's going on with your money mindset. And to the listeners out there, I dare challenge you to confront your finances without fear. Step up and take the free testyournerve.com quiz today. Do it. All right, Jeff, are you ready? We're going to test your nerve, your money nerve. If you could collaborate with any historical figure, living or deceased, to create a unique event or experience, who would it be and what kind of event would you envision with this person? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. I would envision this event. The event would be special guest Gandhi for <laughs> peace and love. Yep. I would take in another room, Eddie Murphy doing comedy. Mm -hmm. I'd have in another room, Madonna and Prince performing. Cool. And in another room, I'd have, I don't know, maybe Elvis in the next room performing. And all the money that's raised would go to a charity that would disperse all the money to all different types of, whether it be AIDS research, cancer research, homelessness, and I would diverse, I would pick four causes that are the most needed in humanity, and also maybe the environment, and divide them all equally. Perfect. Love it. That's a good thing. And Hope that's a good answer. That'll work. Yeah. Would have loved met Gandhi. That would have been pretty cool. Do you have any hidden talents or hobbies outside of your professional realm that ever directly influenced or inspired an event concept? Well, I wouldn't say that my hobbies inspired an event concept, but I do watch WWE, UFC, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. I do watch like Dana White interviews, CM Punk interviews. I like to see what goes on behind the scenes in those respective companies, AEW, just because I like to see how people come up with things. Like, why was this person held down? How did they navigate? For example, I think the story of AEW is the most beautiful story ever. The fact that Vince McMahon didn't counter Chris Jericho's fee and he basically now has a competitor all because he didn't counter Jericho's fee. And if, had he actually brought Chris Jericho back to WWE, AEW would not be on TNT right now. That's my opinion. 
because they needed a star. And while the rest of the wrestlers were all big, they were big on the indie, they were known, but they didn't have that star power that a television station like TNT and TBS would be looking at. So little stories like that, that I'm like, that's really interesting that he underestimated Chris. And a week later, he's calling him up saying, hey, can you get out of that contract? Because he realized all for money that he should have just offered, he now has a huge competitor. <laughs> exactly. Why do you think if they're not on TV? Then what are they? Yeah, you got to be seen. What do you think the fascination is with wrestlers? When you say fascination with the wrestlers, what do you mean by that? Like I went to school in Memphis and wrestling was the number one sport. And there's so many places you go and they're like, whether it's UFC fighting, whether it's wrestling, whether it's maybe boxing, not as much, but people love wrestling. I work at the comedy store. We have had wrestling events in the main room. And just people love wrestlers, it feels like. And so I'm just... Okay, so there's kind of two types of wrestling fans, or maybe three. There's wrestling fans that just love to see the action, meaning like the cool moves. How did they flip out of that? Or how did they reverse this? And more of that kind of stuff. Like if you ever watch the wrestling in Japan, it's very hard hitting. Mm -hmm. Even though, again, yes, it's choreographed. Yes, it's a work. It's fixed. The moves are a lot of times like very rough, but then it's like, hey, can they really do that in real life? Like what would happen if they got into a real fight? And then you look at a guy like Brock Lesnar and people were like, all right, well, he's big. He was a national champion, but can he really fight? And then you see him in the UFC and you're like, oh, oh, yeah. OK, <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy can really go. And I think then there's another part of the audience that's more into the characters and the story and they love the entertainment part of it where it's more of diving into that character how relatable is that character to what you could see like look everybody loved stone cold steve austin because he was that guy that didn't take crap from his boss right and he was pissed off he's been held down for all these years and he doesn't mind flipping you off and drinking a beer right in the middle of the ring and saying hey who's going to do anything about it so Again, it depends. And then there's the kids. The kids love their heroes, like the Hulk Hogan's and the John Cena's and yeah, whoever. I mean, one thing that I would say why people love wrestling is because there's something for everybody. But the stories make the characters and the characters make you want to watch. Well, there's certainly a lot of drama. I'm going to kill you or I'm coming for you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Even if it's over the top, it's still a lot of fun, I think, sometimes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. If you had a time machine and you could go back in time and organize an event in any era of history, what period would you choose? I would probably say I would love to throw a party in like the late 80s mm -hmm. just because it would just be so cool. If you go back in time and you look at like the 70s and the 80s when like Studio 54 was going and you see the people going in there, it just looks so much fun. I mean, you got like young Madonna, young, these young actresses and young that you would see today. And when I say young, I'm talking like 20s young. Yeah. It was a party and the people were all really dressed cool and funky. And it was just, I don't know, I would say, yeah, the probably the late 80s or the mid to late 80s would be just something really cool to see how people partied back then for real. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe that's been a while. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What initially sparked your passion for the field? I mean, your friends pushed you into it. Once you sort of said, you know what, this is sort of fun. What was it that 
was it just seeing the people coming together and having a good time and you knew that you brought them together? Was it like, well, I just like putting events together. Do you remember? Yeah, it was a mix of both. I loved the idea of bringing people together and being the reason for it in a sense. I loved the people leaving, being like, oh, I had such a great time, great experience. Just gave me a purpose in a sense. Mm -hmm. It was just something that was like, there's no feeling in the world when afterwards somebody says, hey, I had such a great time at your party or we had such an amazing time at this restaurant for this dinner. The food was incredible. The service was so good. The music was great. And there's no feeling better than hearing like, hey, you delivered this great experience. And that's really what it is for me. Yeah. When you strip everything away from it, it's people having a great time at basically at my expense in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. So, you know, everybody's having a good time. At a certain point, you got to have a money conversation, whether it's with the celebs, whether it's with the charity organizer, like sometimes there's these conversations. How fun is that? Does that ever get uncomfortable? Or do most people just go, yeah, whatever, it all works. Like, because it seems like for this to work, you have to have some financial structures in place. Right. And I would imagine you can't just do this for free all the time. And so do you have to have those conversations and are they hard conversations? Well, it depends on the structure of the event. There's different ways that these events come to be. Sometimes a celebrity says, hey, I want to throw this party and I have a budget and whatever. Sometimes they don't have a budget and they want to trade certain things from the venue or their publicist wants to trade things out. Sometimes they say, hey, we don't care about any of that stuff. This is our budget and it is what it is. Sometimes it's the charity or the charity has a brand sponsor. Brand sponsor says, hey, I'll put up X amount of money to have a celebrity host or performer. And sometimes if it's a charity event, the celebrity may go down on their fee or they may work with them because it's a charity that they like. And there's all these little logistics that go into it of how these things come together. As far as for my purposes of my money, I don't really, unless the celebrity says, hey, Jeff, I want to throw a party in L.A. I want you to fly out. I want you to plan the party at my house or whatever. Then I have this budget and blah, blah, blah. As long as it's something that makes sense to me, most times I'll just try to work within their budget because at the end of the day, they could, A, number one, they could go to somebody else and B, number two. Now, again, that's if I'm available to do it, right? of course. But sometimes I just look at it like, hey, you know what? I'll try to work within their budget and supplement it with whatever. I mean, it, there's no real one way that this happens. Most times, though, a lot of times, these things happen where either the venue is paying me or, for example, if a convention wants a celebrity, they'll pay me separately from paying the celebrity. Celebrity comes, sign autographs, they do their thing. Same thing with a charity. Charity has a sponsor. Sponsor pays me sponsor pays the celebrity. And then other than the celebrities that are being paid, we just invite people to come whoever's around. So like, there's really a lot of different ways that these things come together. There's really no one set thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It sounds it's more like follow the fun. <laughs> if it sounds like it's gonna be fun and doable, make it happen. Well, look, sometimes there's situations where whatever I have doesn't work out Meaning like, for example, if I'm doing marketing for a restaurant and a celebrity comes and says, hey, I want to throw my birthday party, but 
that restaurant that you're working with isn't really the right fit. Can you get me this other place or whatever? If it's something easy, sometimes I might just do it because again, it's relationships. Right. Maybe the venue does throw me a little something. There's so many variations to this that it's very hard to pin down one particular way that these things happen. Yeah. Well, that makes it more fun. It makes every day different. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Well, Jeff, we're at the M&M moment, the money and motivation, our sweet spot. I'm wondering if you have a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom for our listeners, something that works for you in your everyday life, because I'm sure you got to manage your own money just as well. My only tip would be if you're trying to do what you set out to do, and again, this is just my opinion, but you really have to be conservative with your money on what you're spending on yourself for fun if you want to get ahead on the business side, because you have to invest in yourself to propel yourself forward. That's just my advice. Maybe to the next person, they don't need to do that. I don't know. Maybe they don't care about that. Maybe the business part of it is second and maybe the fun part is first. But I would just manage, for example, you don't need to go out to dinner at a fancy restaurant every single night of the week if you're trying to put money into your businesses and propel them forward. You could go out once a week or twice a week and do food shopping and and order in. You don't need necessarily the big fancy office. You could have a small office and have people work remote. There's just certain ways of doing things that you can manage where you don't have to splurge on unnecessary things when you're trying to get to the next level. That's my only advice. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think a lot of times people think they need the fluff, the extra stuff or the... You don't. And you don't. You just, let's get to basics. Yeah, my thing is, first of all, I don't need to impress anybody with my lifestyle or anything like that. What I need to impress people is the job that I'm able to do. Yeah. I don't care if people say, hey, you're flying first class or anything. Like, I don't care about any of that stuff. That's just fluff. It's fluff. (laughs) What's the crux of what you can do? Here's the other thing. Like, is there a connection? Is there a relationship? You don't have to fake being Mr. Wealthy and Mr. Driving a flashy car and all that kind of stuff. All that does is just drives up your expenses when you could be spending it on stuff that you really actually need. Yeah, absolutely. Pragmatic. Yeah. (laughs) Be pragmatic. That's my advice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeff, it's been interesting to hear you talk about this because it sounds like a lot of this sort of happened organically. You just were sort of following your passion, trusting even when it didn't seem like necessarily the right thing, but "Ah, I'll check it out and just sort of letting it happen. Yeah. But also being mindful that you don't have to fly first class and have the fanciest car to be able to connect celebrities and have a fun time. No, you don't. You just need to be smart. You need some very good tactical decisions on how you want to network and build yourself forward. Remember, all the people that you see that are celebrities, they all came from nothing. So most of them, unless they're a jerk, are not going to judge you based on how you fly and how you... No, they don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. In the reality of it, they don't. Most of them don't. They care about, hey, is this a good person to work with? Can I trust that they're not going to be doing anything stupid? Are they going to keep my events safe and private and all that stuff? That's what they care about. Yeah. All that other flashy stuff, they don't give a shit. 
The rest is fluff. Yeah. Well, this is great. Jeff, where can people find you online and social media? Where can they find more about Fan Room Live, all that good stuff? Instagram, at IE Group NYC for my company, IE Group. Fan Room Live, you could just check out at Fan Room Live on Instagram. And my website is iegny.com. And Fan Room Live is fanroomlive.com. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure and put all that in the show notes. Jeff, it's been great having you on the show and maybe we'll catch you at the next party. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely, man. <laughs> Listen, I appreciate you having me on. This has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bob. Hey there, Money Master. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn some valuable insights around your relationship with money? Our guests shared some of their financial epiphanies. You might've experienced one too. Don't just sit there with that aha moment. Share it with us and the world by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Or leave a comment on one of our socials, at Money You Should Ask. Let's spread the word and help others explore their financial health too. But that's not all. Do you want to live in abundance and build wealth that can sustain you and your family for generations to come? It only takes one thing. The willingness to change the way you think about your money. It's time to test your money nerve and discover what's been holding you back from financial freedom. Take the free quiz now at themoneynerve.com and begin your journey towards a prosperous future.